0: Welcome to Do Theology, where we keep doctrine in its place. I'm Ken from Indiana. And I'm Jeremy from Utah. Today we
1: are talking about theological triage and other paradigms.
0: And it's season two! Woo-hoo! How
1: about that? You right. thought you got rid of us, but we don't go away that easily.
0: <laughs> Should I just do the... The noise for our intro, uh, instead of having the actual intro music, should I do it? No. Like scat?
1: No. (laughs) Nobody wants to hear that.
0: (laughs) Calvinism is much false doctrine as a woman preacher. Well, of course, in fundamentalism, you define everything as a gospel issue. This is a true mark of Christian maturity to discern the difference of issues.
1: I got an idea. Let's not wrong with anybody who thinks they got another
0: idea. There's a lot of different understandings of what the days are in Genesis 1 and to what degree evolution was part of how God created things.
1: I have disagreements with him in some areas, but those are adiaphora, those are side issues, many important issues. So many Bible doctrines are
0: ruined when we use the wrong words. This is why it's so critical that we use only the King James Bible. You gotta have that right or get out of here. pray God that I don't take every minor thing and make a major thing out of it. Nothing divides like truth. I respect them as brothers in the Lord with whom I have some strong differences, but they have a big problem with me. Is there a way that we can work together? I think fundamentally we have to say yes. Christians can disagree and still kick it. All right. Season two of Do Theology. Here you are. Here we are. We're all together. We've got some great stuff for you this season. We have interviews with Tim Challies, Josh Bice, Tom Askell. Justin Peters, Toby Sumter, Andrew Rappaport, and others, it's going to be a blast. We also have more conversations that uh, where, where Ken and I get together and discuss some um, interesting theological things, so we're going to start unpacking some of that today, but we are just so glad that um, we're able to do this for a few more episodes, and we're excited to hear from you and to hear about what you need as you listen to this as a resource, um, so please like, comment, subscribe, drop a rating, send us a note, all that stuff because we want you to be involved uh, with this podcast. Ken, what have, what are your thoughts on on all this stuff going on in our lives?
1: Yeah, no, we are we are incredibly stoked and excited about the content that we have coming your way on this old RSS feed because it is the interviews that we have had personally. I'm, a, I'm so excited for the release of those. I've uh, greatly been benefited and have been encouraged and edified through conducting those interviews, and it's been, it's been a blessing, and so we're excited to share that with you. Uh, there's some very important things that are said in many of these interviews that we believe the church needs to hear and needs to heed, so definitely encourage anyone listening. You know, if, if you're just hearing this for the first time, you're not one of our subscribers— Hit that subscribe button. Find us wherever you listen to podcasts or on YouTube, and subscribe because these uh, you're not going to want to miss the content that we have coming your way.
0: Very good. And before we really get into um, uh, our discussion today, I want to mention that this episode is brought to you by Anchor Outfitters. Anchor Outfitters is a Christian clothing company that was started by uh, a man that we went to school with. And they have some really great-looking Christian apparel over there at Anchor Outfitters. And um, you should check it out yourself. You can go to anchoroutfitters.com. And we actually have a promo code that I want to share with you today where you can go on and you can get a um, a 10% off discount for whatever you would uh, like to purchase. So if you go to anchoroutfitters.com... And you um, so go to checkout and throw in the promo code, um, do theology all caps. You'll get ten percent off your next purchase. That sounds like an amazing deal. Yes, it is an amazing deal. So check that out, and um, and yeah, go support my uh, my friend Tyler, our friend Tyler yes. from Bible College. He's hmm. doing some great work in Baltimore. He's got a, a church plant over there. With also with uh, Wesley that we went to school with, so two great guys, and uh, you should support them. Absolutely. Okay, um, let's give a ninety-second life update. Usually it's sixty seconds. We'll go ninety seconds since it's been a while. You want to go? Go first.
1: Sure. So we are we're recording this in mid June, and where we're at right now. Uh, if you're familiar with what we're doing, I'm a church planter in Southern Indiana, starting a church in Jeffersonville, Indiana, and uh, we've been, we're coming out of this whole coronavirus thing, and who knows by the time this uh, goes up what uh, what the developments will have been since then. Uh, so we got ourselves a little time capsule but we're trying to get back to meeting back in person trying to nail down facility i actually got an email that i'm excited about that one door that we thought was closed may be cracking back open for us a little bit so that would be exciting if we could get in there and start holding meeting uh meetings in person again
0: well cool how about you first thing i need to say is is, is that it's anchoroutfitters.org oh, .com that's important anchoroutfitters.com um, isn't a website so it doesn't have a redirect or anything it's anchoroutfitters.org. promo code do theology i'm doing well i um we just got a new sound booth computer we're doing a fundraiser for our church and one of those things is a new computer for the sound booth and it's the most powerful computer i've ever had the pleasure to be around <laughs> and it's waiting for me to continue setting it up over there in the other room so here i am just kind of split uh, affectionately
1: for the nerds and geeks in the audience, a little bit uh, a little bit excitement about that.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's a gaming computer. so it's got and it's got a clear case with LED lit uh, fans. <laughs> That's pretty cool. That's awesome. But uh, but yeah, things are going well here. I'm this Sunday preaching the last sermon in our series on Deuteronomy, which has been an eight month series. I've gone through all 800-plus pages of Daniel Block's commentary along the way, and that's been a lot of fun. Um, Our church is just having a great time right now. Things are are positive, so we're just looking to uh, be faithful and be thankful at the same time. Amen. And my family's doing great. Awesome. Praise God. All right. Well, today we want to talk about other paradigms or other models of uh, discerning primary, secondary, tertiary plus doctrines and talk about how our paradigm is different because we recognize we're not the first people to talk about primary and secondary doctrine. We're not the first people to have or endorse any kind of chart. There have been multiple um, iterations of that. So we want to talk about the other things that are out there, maybe some things we like, don't like about them. I'm not saying that ours is perfect and theirs isn't, but just how ours is, is distinguished from those. And uh, then spend some time talking about why we think um, our chart is, is going to be the most trustworthy, handy, useful for people, uh, lay people and leaders alike. So that's that's the goal of this podcast episode. If that's not what you're here to listen to then now's your chance to leave. Let's give too bad. Let's go. Let's give give 2 <laughs> minutes for those to, you know, exit. No, I'm just kidding. Okay. Um the first one, there are so many out there, but the first one I want to mention is from Carm, carm.org. That is Matt Slick's ministry. If you're not familiar with that, you should check out Carm, the Christian Apologetics and Research Ministry and All the way back in 2008, almost 12 years ago, Matt Slick put out a doctrine grid that goes through um, Christian doctrine in a way that is a lot different than ours. And to me, at first blush, it's pretty confusing. You kind of have to sit down with it for a while. Um, But if you just go to karm.org slash doctrine grid, there's a dash between doctrine and grid, but I don't know if that's necessary when you type it in, but calm.org slash doctrine grid. Okay. It It is. is. Yeah. You'll have to put the dash in. Um, You can, you can check that out. uh, And he goes through, he's got hyperlinks to everything he's talking about in there because he's written so many articles on so many different things, but you can go through and see how he breaks down what he calls primary essentials and secondary essentials, primary non-essentials and secondary non-essentials. And he talks about how there are most Christian groups that affirm primary non-essentials, but denomination split when it comes to secondary non-essentials. And uh, I know when you first looked at this, Ken, you were quite confused.
1: Yeah, it, like you said, it, it takes a little bit to orient yourself on this chart. Um, it's, it's handy, it's helpful, because not only does he provide... The subject matter of what fits into those categories but then he also puts uh, other religious groups that would deny or have different thoughts on the those points of doctrine which is which is helpful in identifying where groups deviate from God's word so that's mm-hmm. pretty helpful to see that distinction um, but you do have to kind of think through the, the terminology can be a little bit confusing at first blush if you're not, uh, don't have a, your mindset already going that direction.
0: Yeah. And of course, he does use the term essential and non-essential, which we don't like. We believe all doctrine is essential. If it's biblically derived, um, we like the term importance or, uh, you know, just sticking with primary and secondary rather than separating into essentials and non-essentials.
1: Yeah, well, that's that's why I think some of his terminology is a little bit confusing because he uses most people when they're charts they'll refer to essentials versus non-essentials, or they'll talk about primary, secondary, tertiary, and he uses all those words. <laughs> he he has primary essentials, secondary essentials, primary non-essentials, and yeah, so that um, that's a little bit a little bit confusing, but it's it's still it is still a helpful resource for mm-hmm. for looking through some of those things and and just thinking things through. Um,
0: now, there, um, the, probably the most famous Can, article on this is Al Mohler's.
1: Can I just t- take a second on on the CARM? If you're not familiar with that website, by the way, it's a fantastic resource for all kinds of Christian apologetics, uh, from cults, other religions, uh, different issues within Christianity and doctrinal distinctions. I, we, I've used that website for many many things over the years, and it is, it's is—it's a gold mine. So um, we definitely, we like Carm for sure. Michael, mm-hmm. We like Matt Slick. He's,
0: in, yes. he's done a lot of great work. And a lot of the articles are succinct, too, which really yes. helps. Uh, yep. You don't have to go digging to find what you're looking for. So, um, yeah, so probably the most famous article in all this is Al Mohler's A Call for Theological Triage and Christian Maturity, written over 16 years ago which is pretty wild. And he has basically first, second, third order doctrines is what he calls them. The first order doctrines, he says, these are the most crucial doctrines for the Christian faith. And he gives examples, the Trinity, the deity and humanity of Christ, justification by faith and the authority of scripture. Uh, You know, we'd of course agree on that. He doesn't attempt to really go more exhaustive than that, but he gives those examples. And then um, he starts talking about second order issues saying the meaning and mode of baptism uh, is the first example that he gives. And um, in recent years, he goes on to say, in recent years, the issue of women serving as pastors has emerged as another second order issue. So there's another example that he gives and basically just says, you know, these things will divide you denominationally, second order which we, of course, would uh, agree with that, that that's the purpose uh, or that's the result of second-order doctrines. But then when it gets to third order, this is where we start having some really significant disagreement. And uh, he said that third-order issues are doctrines over which Christians may disagree and remain in close fellowship, even within local congregations. Okay, I agree. But he says, I would put, most of the debates over eschatology, for example, in this category. Uh, And what he did there is he kept the third column, or uh, he doesn't have columns, I guess, he kept the third order doctrines theological. Whereas on our chart, that's the point where you leave theology and go to personal convictions or doubtful things. And he, where we put eschatology in the second column, uh, because it's a uh, hermeneutic issue, he puts eschatology in the third column, saying that women in in the pastorate is of more importance than your view of the millennium. Uh, and but it's but neither one of those are as important as your view on the Trinity. So that's kind of the way he he breaks that down. Um, uh, it's an article that's been quoted many times and, and referenced many many times. Yeah, it's
1: probably the most, you know, whenever people start talking about this concept, pretty much everybody's going to throw a bone to Moeller and yeah, this, Moller talks about this, um, I've done it myself even, in in helping people understand the concept of the chart, um, of the chart that we have, I've mentioned to people, it's like, well, are you familiar with Moeller and his concept of theological triage? And a lot of people are more familiar with that, with that concept, um, so, yeah, and yeah. then. His, his framework, the reason why he calls it triage, I don't know if you want to speak to that at all, is you know, he's, trying to, he's trying to make a distinguish, you know, when, when it comes to medical triage, when there's a, there's a crisis that happens, and they're, you're, the medics are first getting to uh, the scene, and they're trying to assess what needs the most attention in that moment. And uh, so they'll identify those who are in most critical condition versus those who need some help, but they're stable and then versus those who just have maybe light scratches or bruises. And so when it comes to theological triage, he's trying to identify those doctrines that are the most important things that need to be preserved and even fought over. These things deserve to be uh, battles to be fought over. Um, and then the second order is uh, there's disagreement, like you mentioned already, and then I'm just kind of rehashing everything that you just
0: said at that yeah. point. But Well, and essentially uh, the, the theme of the article isn't to. It's not the same as the theme of the chart that we use. Yeah. So our the theme of our chart is to really start making distinctions based on scripture. And the heart of his uh, article is a call to Christian maturity. That was in the title. And I think what he was trying to do, um, it seems that what he was trying to do is call the Christian to at least think about how you personally would order these things and to be more balanced without giving. Real specific direction because, really, on third order doctrine, the only example he gave was eschatology, right? And for me, I, I just have a real hard time with how can you say for sure that eschatology is third order and mode of baptism is second order? Like, who's to say one is more important than the other at that point? So, uh, and, the and there wasn't a lot of scripture in that article yeah. either
1: and the hermeneutical things that are driving the decision and the the convictions on baptism are going to be the same hermeneutics that drive your view of eschatology. Exactly. So yeah. those things are are a little bit linked together. Um, and that's honestly I th- I think that's something that's pretty common when it comes to many of the uh, approaches that many people take on this when it comes to primary and secondary and and, and however they decide to break it down there's not really a whole lot of Ex, uh, concrete examples given, they may give a, a, a couple, but not really fleshing that out very fully. Mm-hmm. And that is that is something that's different about our chart as well. We've tried to think through a few more areas and help people see where, where those might fit.
0: Yeah. Um, and a, a very contemporary example of that is Gavin Ortland's new book called Finding the Right Hills to Die On. And he actually, in the subtitle, has a hat tip to Moeller. Uh, the subtitle is the case for theological triage. This uh, book came out earlier this year, 2020, and I didn't even know about it until just really recently. Uh, it came out in April or May, I think. And, um, I've looked, flipped through the book. Uh, I have, um, listened to an extended interview that he had about the book. And he says a lot of the th- same things that we say. In fact, did you listen to that interview that I sent you? I gave you a timestamp? Yeah. Two times from that point to the end of the interview, he said, do theology. Did you hear that? I did not. I, I Man, how I, did I miss I that? Don't know. Maybe he's a listener. Maybe he subscribes. Hi, Gavin. Uh, <laughs> give us a call. <laughs> yeah. So um, basically what he does in his book, and um, I don't think there's a chart that comes with it. If there is, it hasn't really been pubbed that much but he he breaks it down to primary secondary and tertiary following a lot of the same lines as molar and um basically it will and actually that there's a and there's a fourth area he calls that and then that fourth area is basically just speculation i i don't it's not really doctrine um the example that he gave uh in the interview was anything that's fourth level is like how many angels there are well, that's not doctrine. That's just speculation. Yeah. Right. So, um,
1: but does, other than yeah. that,
0: it was, it was pretty well, like, you know, he's got his, the three columns that follow the same kind of thinking as Moeller. in his book, he, he says primary doctrines are worth fighting for uh, secondary doctrines are complex and we need to navigate those. And then we shouldn't divide over tertiary doctrines. And of course we would agree with that. He gives examples of each in the book of just a few examples, just kind of like Moeller, where he doesn't really go into exhaustive detail. But to give you an idea of where he's coming from in the second column, I shouldn't say column, second order, uh, he says baptism, uh, particularly credo-baptism versus paedobaptism, baptism spiritual gifts, particularly cessationism versus continuationism, and women in ministry, particularly complementarianism versus egalitarianism. And uh, those two out of those three were used by Moeller <laughs> in, his, in his article. Uh, so he kind of comes from the same perspective as Moeller, where he's calling the Christian to maturity, not necessarily looking to give uh, thorough guidance.
1: Yeah, yeah, there's a I don't know what the right word is, but I don't know he, it's. It's more of just a a broad strokes principles level than mm-hmm. than nitty gritty down to brass tacks kind of thing,
0: and and kind of follows the same thinking too. Where there's not a lot of scripture, it's almost like, well, this is just a personal discernment thing. Um, whereas you know we think there's more that scripture says about this than what's typically uh, recognized.
1: And I think that is the big point that we want to make, though, isn't it that where yeah, there's these other these other uh, there's these other uh, paradigms that exist. We've we've tried really hard, and, and we appreciate these these other guys and their ministries. So we don't want to we're not here to start fights. Um, but the big emphasis that we've tried to have and this is what we started with in episode episode one is sola and tota scriptura, and there's a reason for that is because we believe that there is actually a very clear biblical case to be made for why there are divisions in theology, in their relative weights and measures and levels of importance, we believe the Bible itself makes the case for that. And mm-hmm. so it's on that basis that we seek to make the divisions where we do. Not a, it's not a philosophical thing, and it's not a, uh, just a personal discernment thing like you mentioned. It's, it's, actually, it's actually a biblical thing is the case that, that we're trying to make.
0: Yeah. Yep. And so much of it relates to hermeneutics, and that hardly gets brought up um, ever yes. <laughs> in these yep. conversations. Um, so, now getting closer to where we are, uh, where we're coming from, there's been a longer article on the Cripplegate written by Mike Riccardi. That's good. Uh, titled, this was November 15, is titled Bad Doctrine versus Heresy Exercise in Exercise and Theological Triage. Man, Muller should have trademarked it, he, the, the term, theological triage. But uh, there's an important paragraph here at the start where he says, all biblical doctrine is important. I would go so far as to say all biblical doctrine is essential. It's difficult to put any doctrine into a second or third tier because it somehow feels as if uh, to do so is to say it's not important. <clears throat> but employing theological triage doesn't mean that everything that's not first order is unimportant any more than a doctor prioritizing a gunshot wound means that he necessarily thinks a sprained ankle is unimportant. But the fact remains, genuine Christians can disagree on things like the mode and recipients of baptism, but if two people disagree on the triunity of God, one is a Christian and the other isn't. And uh, that's that's a really important uh, clarification to make in all this. But he goes through and he outlines what he believes the fundamental doctrines are, and he gets a lot more specific in defining primary doctrine. It doesn't really go outside of that uh, to define what's secondary. He just defines what's primary. And Phil Johnson has also written a, an article that's helpful titled, Does Scripture Permit Us to Regard Any Truth as Secondary? And in that article, he outlines some of the principles that he employs as he thinks through Uh, these things uh, to avoid ecumenical compromise uh, that he is what he calls it. And so these guys are closer to where we are in our thinking and no surprise they're MacArthurites. So they get it. You know, they've, they've seen the glory (laughs) Uh, they've been, they've been changed. So uh, (laughs) they, uh, (laughs) um, so yeah, we're, we're closer to where they are. Um, and, Phil Johnson gives some really good examples on that. Also, there's an episode of uh, Dr. James White's Dividing Line where John Sampson filled in. Uh, That was three or four years ago. And that's what that whole one-hour program was about. So if you were to go on to uh, YouTube or to a podcast search and type in Dividing Line John Sampson uh, or Alpha Omega Ministries John Sampson, you'd be able to find that. And he does a really good job coming from a lot of the same perspective that we're coming from. So, any thoughts on those things?
1: I mean, there's good resources out there. Um, the thing that that I want to press home is 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 paying attention to when people make cases, is the case a biblical case or not, and that that needs to hold true when we're discussing which belongs in those categories, because even with some of the examples that some of those guys gave for what belongs where, we, we would have a little dif- dif- disagreements with them on, on where they place a couple of things. Mm-hmm. And we hope that that is because we're identifying what the Bible says about those things and therefore placing them in the category in which we are.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I um, I found a chart three or four years ago, and I've been unable to find it again. I probably found it like five years ago. It was a four-column chart. It was just on white paper, outlined in just black. The font was just black. And I thought it was the best thing outside of my own chart <laughs> that I had ever found. And I don't. The, the guy who made it was a nobody like me, so I don't remember his name. And I had it printed out, and it was in my bag, my man bag, for a really long time, and it's not there. And I couldn't find it in my file folders. And I couldn't find it anywhere online because I don't have much to go on. So if you are out there and you know of a good four-column, one-page, comprehensive, uh, primary, secondary doctrine chart, could you let me know? I'd love to see it again. And even have the person on for an interview, whoever be that fun. person is. Yeah, that'd be,
1: real, that'd be a lot of fun.
0: So that... To me, that one was the best one I had ever seen. Um, and I found it after I made my chart. And so I like mine better, of course, but I was like, wow, that's, we're, we're going on the same track there. And, uh, and it's gone. It's gone. So, so yeah, as we, as we think about these other paradigms and what makes ours different or unique, uh, one, I guess we could say our chart is, we have a chart. Not everybody has a chart. Number two, our chart is colorful. Huh. Not very many people employ the use of color. That's important. It is important. And it's red, yellow, green, just like a stoplight. It makes sense. Uh Thirdly, we seek to be more detailed in what we mean on the basis of what Scripture says. Um, I think we're the only, except for that one four-column chart that I, I have lost that has been like that letter to the Corinthians that just floated away. Uh, Besides that one, I think we are the only people who incorporate personal convictions into the primary and secondary conversation. Mm -hmm. So that also makes ours unique and different. And, uh, you know, another aspect is I think this chart is just as helpful for lay people as it is for church leaders. It's been the most requested resource that I've ever made that people have asked me for and for extra copies of. I use it in my church all the time. In fact, this Sunday, we're starting our new Sunday school series. Um, one class is going to be going, one adult class is going through Romans. The other adult class is starting systematic theology again. Uh, my favorite class, I think, in the whole series is the first one where we give them the charts that they have to fill out on their own. And uh, Anyway, so we use it all the time in in our church, uh, and it's it's straightforward. You can look at it and get it in one shot so that's that's why we're sticking but that's why we we have the chart that's why i made it and that's why we're sticking with that chart is because we do think it has uh, a certain uniqueness that makes it more helpful
1: yeah so the reason why you know, when, when when it comes to the personal conviction side of things it's good to have that as part of the chart. You know, many of these other paradigms that are out there focus exclusively on theology, as, as Jeremy mentioned, and that's good. We, you know it, it, Theology is important, and we need to know where to stand on theology, but theology isn't the only thing that has the potential to be divisive and to tear people apart, and so we want to think biblically about those personal convictions issues. And that's that's a big reason why it's it's on that chart is because it we need to think through these things in a biblical way to know that we're not being unnecessarily divisive over things that the Bible would call us to unity, even when there is diversity of opinion and practice on.
0: Yeah. Yep. And we want to we want to wrestle with things in the second column and we want to show grace with things in the third column and be constantly challenged by, by these things. Um, so we hope that it's useful to you as we're talking about it this much. I, I hope you've seen it. <laughs> if you haven't, uh, clicked on the link that's been in the description of every episode that we've done, um, you need to click on that link, check it out. It's a Google drive link. You can open it up, print it out, do whatever you want with it. It's got my name on it. So, uh, I get the credit no matter what. <laughs> Uh, they could edit that out. Yeah. It's not important. Cut my name off. uh, Especially if you know, it's going to get me in trouble. Just pretend like, you know, it was someone else scratch it out and put Ken chip chase on it. (laughs) And uh, so anyway, yeah, it's to me, it's, it is my paradigm as a local church pastor. It is my paradigm for how I go into conversations with people. I automatically, when there's something that's brought up, I automatically think, first second or third column and then adjust the conversation from my perspective accordingly. I hope it's that helpful for for you too.
1: Yeah. It is also, you know, we're, we got the link there. It's also on our website. Our new I don't know if it's improved, but it's a it's a new
0: website. <laughs> our different our different
1: it's a website. website. <laughs> theology.com. there's a tab at the top that says the chart and it's right there. So
0: Yeah, and so we're we're bringing this up in the first episode of season 2 because uh, you might be listening to this right after it's released. You might be going back to this point when, uh, maybe you, you jumped on with one of our interviews that we've had in season two, and now you've gone back to the start of season two. Uh, really, this podcast was born out of that chart and we, um, we believe in it. And so, uh, we, we want your feedback on it. We want you to be thinking about it as you listen to our episodes, And if you have not done so, we would like for you to go back to season one where we lay this foundation of our thinking. And we have two episodes each on uh, each column uh, after we had a whole episode on what sola scriptura and tota scriptura mean. So that's why we're bringing it up now. We want to just have this up front. Look, we recognize there are other ways to think about this, but here's what makes our way of thinking about it different and unique. And we believe strongly more helpful. Mm Mm-hmm. Amen.
1: All right. Well, we should mention that we have social media and things. We we really want to have a more of a dialogue with our with our listeners. So, uh, Facebook.com/slash do theology. We've got a Facebook page there. We have a Twitter account now. We tweet. Yeah. Uh, with the handle is at do theology. So go. Uh, give us a follow over there. And yeah, engage with us. When you listen to the episode, send us a tweet. Let us know what you thought. If you have questions, uh, we'd love to engage with listener questions as well. So we'd love to we'd love to hear from you.
0: A retweet or a share of something that we we put out in text format or a video clip or whatever it may be, sharing that or retweeting that is better than sending us ten bucks. Okay, so um, if you don't want to send us ten bucks, I get that. I've never sent money to a podcast, but you know what I've done. I've liked and shared and subscribed. You should do that too. That's right. Amen. Preaching. That's right. (laughs) So are we going to have the same sign-off as last season? Until next time?
1: I don't see why not. Until next time.
0: Theology.